0: Dylan Lockett out of the University of Michigan representing the Detroit Red Wings as a 19-year-old rookie. Here he goes. There he goes. Good stride. You see he got the top speed right off those first two strides. And look at that power going around that first net. And again, this right now, oh no, he gets slipped. So the ice did, did hamper him a little bit, just like Pierre asked him. And he still did it! That's what you call speed! He still stepped in! He still beat Mike Garner. That is amazing! That is energetic and youth for you! As a rookie, Wing Detroit it. fans have a lot to look forward to in this it's young it. superstar, Dylan Michael.
1: Welcome to Winging It Motown Radio, everybody. Small crew today. Myself, Jeff, here hosting, along with JJ and
2: Kyle. Gentlemen, how are you? It's the best night ever. It's uh best night ever. We'll go with that, okay. as always. <laughs> and I hope everyone though.
1: who's listening during the day is having the best day ever. Uh, one guy who had the best weekend ever, or close to it, is still in Larkin. It seems like he had a hell of a weekend at the All-Star game and festivities uh, in Nashville, I think it we is. should just start and get right into it with the All-Star break. Uh, John Scott's a hero. Dylan Larkin's officially the fastest skater in NHL history. Just what what was your favorite part of everything? or What did, what were your thoughts on all of it? JJ, you go first. Yeah, JJ, you oh, first. Picking You're out the seasoned veteran.
0: All right. uh, picking out a favorite part is is so incredibly difficult, because like right. everything worked so well uh, like even the things that the NHL completely cocked up um, I have to say it's like I, had, I thought the three on three tournament format was great on its own and would have made for a fun all-star game weekend uh, without everything else that happened I, th- I think that that really worked they played actual defense there uh, I was really invested in the games because I really wanted to see the Atlantic team like win that first game so I really gave a shit. I really wanted to see John Scott win that second game, so I gave a shit. Um the championship game, like it was kind of like, it was honestly an either or, like no matter which team won, I was I was gonna enjoy myself. But really it was the story of of John Scott and how all of the bullshit from the last few months culminated into what was really uh an amazingly fun weekend for hockey again. Um like really reminded me of, of what I love about the sport. And I know that like John Scott is is maybe getting a little unfairly gilded for essentially what he's done in his career, but I don't care. I'm I'm full on giving him credit for
2: you know, Right, right for
0: being a, a change man. And I, I think that the way that he comported himself, the way that the players came around him, uh, the way that like the teams backed him up for the the mvp voting like they're all jumping on twitter saying uh vote for scott for the mvp after the NHL announced Mm -hmm. that he wasn't even gonna be a finalist um i mean they they freaking picked him up on the like it was it was like rudy and gladiator (laughs) all all wrapped in one except for instead of like a, a tiny useless guy rudy was a giant mostly useless guy and it wasn't even crap that he won it. Like, he actually deserved the MVP award. I mean, yeah. He could have given it to a lot of people, but he played really well. And I think that John Scott, as the captain of the Pacific team, was a very big reason the Pacific team won. So, right. I mean, it was, it was great. And that's not even taking into consideration how freaking amazing Dylan Markin was uh, throughout the whole thing. I mean, he won the fastest skater, he scored on his two breakaways. Um, three assists in the first game, and then he was basically the one that was, although the Atlanta team didn't win any, or didn't score any points in the the final, like, he was the closest one, he was the most dangerous player on the ice for that team at 19 years old, so yeah, it was a great
2: weekend. Yeah, I think, like, my most favorite part about it was that the entire narrative of this was that the All-Star game is made for making fans, and like, you know, young fans, um, kids who watch the game to watch all the All-Stars play, like, you know, the the Taylor Halls, the Patrick Haynes, the you know the Eric Carlsons, whatever you can go on and on about that. But um, I think and, and and the narrative was that John Scott isn't going to help that, and in the end, John Scott had the last laugh with that because I think that his presence, his uh, overall mindset, persona, and along with all the other players around it, it like it made me as a seasoned hockey fan who has loved hockey my entire life pretty much. It was like. God, this sport is so great. Like, this is awesome. Um, Even though John Scott is no more than a knuckle-dragging face puncher. Like, I mean, that's what he is. Um, It it was just, it was a really great story, and it was a really great event. I think, and and I want to say this right now, absolutely zero credit should go to the NHL for this. Absolutely zero. I think the fans. I, no, 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 no. They I, get credit I, for the format. Okay, they get credit for the format, but okay, cool. I mean, you put lipstick on a pig all you want, but it's just it, the players, the fans, the entire. You know, I, I think the city of Nashville did a really good job with it. Um, I think that the major culprit of this entire um, weekend was was not because of the NHL. Um, so, yeah, the format was really good. The three-on-three, I think, was uh, exciting to watch. It wasn't like last year when, like, I don't know, I can't remember exactly how many goals were scored last year, but there was a, a crap ton. Uh, oh, nice this story, year, I think. yeah, so this year it was a lot different. Um, you know, I mean, the final was, what, one goal? Yeah, one yeah. nothing. And it, how exciting was that? I mean, I thought it was awesome. You know, it, it kept me watching. It wasn't like, oh, hey, scored another goal. Oh, hey, they scored another goal. It was more of like, I'm waiting to see the other goal, and it wasn't there. And it was just like at the end, when you get to see John Scott lifted up and, you know, he bringing his kids out onto the ice and him, you know, um, hugging Daryl Sutter's son. It was just really cool to watch, and I think it was really inspiring. Um, and then going on to Dylan Larkin, yeah, I mean, it's nothing new to us. We know that he's amazing and he's blazing fast. So I'm hoping that this entire event will give Dylan Larkin some like stupid good confidence and he just comes out and rips the nhl apart because i think we need it but yeah awesome the best all-star game i've ever watched yeah bar none in any sport yeah ever i mean like the same night like what was the pro bowl going on and like i didn't see anything about it zero not a damn thing
1: well i i will give the nhl credit because the format i thought was excellent i'm you guys said what you said about john scott i agree with everything uh I was invested in seeing who wins. The fact that the games were short, you had the two 10-minute periods or whatever, it didn't make any it didn't feel like it was dragging out. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for this to be over. It was it was quick, which was good. And you had something to like still look forward yeah. to as far as the next games and everything. The million dollars being on the line was cool because the players actually tried at the end because they wanted that extra whatever thousand hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was divided but amongst them,
2: <laughs> right.
1: And I, I'll I'll give the NHL a little more credit that despite like maybe the last few actual All Star games have I I can't remember what happened in them but they did the draft and they introduced that and that mm-hmm. was cool for a couple of years and then it ran its course and then they changed it up again and they didn't just stick with status quo. And I, I'm very curious, just moving forward, like you saw the NHL introduced the draft and then the Pro Bowl the last two years has done like a draft with Team Jerry Rice and Team Urban mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I'm like waiting, like what is the Pro Bowl next year going to do a couple mini like five on five football games or something no like way. that or yeah, Something play stupid. seven seven. Yeah, seven on seven. So I like that. It would be interesting. And even though you didn't watch the Pro Bowl, it's still what I think it rated a five point five where the which was oh, yeah, their it's... lowest of all time. Yeah. And the NHL game was like a one point one seven, which was like I believe their highest of all time. So that just shows the, the distance between the two leagues, but that's not really what we're talking about here. I thought it was a great great success, great story, great weekend. Larkin was a star throughout the whole thing and uh, I don't think it could have turned out any better for Wings fans or hockey fans.
0: Well, to put my, uh, my tinfoil hat on for a moment, I will give the NHL credit for one thing in regards to the John Scott story. I think that they manufactured the, uh, the MVP voting, and mm-hmm. I think they did it exactly the way that it should have been done, because they had to have known they were the bad guys in all of this, and they were not going to get any of that. So they named three guys as the, the contenders for the for the MVP. The three guys that they named are two of John Scott's teammates who are like the most... Nothing against Gaudreau or Hall, but they're basically vanilla kids, and those are the two Those are kids that, you know, they're going to give Scott the car if they win the MVP. And then mm-hmm. the third is Roberto Luongo, who is... He was a fairly good choice, and also, he's like the most subversive hockey personality there is in the league right now. Like, during the game, he's like throwing shade about Stamkos to Toronto. Yeah. Um, so you know that if uh, if he ends up with the MVP, John Scott's still probably going to get the car. But they know that if they name John Scott as one of the, f- the potential finalists and ask for the fan vote, then it looks greasy. It looks like, oh, we've been on, on this all, all along. And it kind of takes away from it. Um, so instead, they do it they do it like this, where they hedge it, where if one of those three guys wins, John Scott is still probably going to win. But what they're doing is they're saying, okay, fans, you voted him in against our will. We want you to do that one more time, knowing full well that that's exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we got to choose John Scott as the MVP, like, and it made it a, a little bit more special. And I, I I, think that that was orchestrated by the NHL, um, and I don't mind it. What I do mind is I think that they're going to try to recapture this magic Next yeah, year with some shit and whatever comes out next year,
1: Rafi it's Torres, going. Oh.
0: it's, it's Captain. gonna be bad. Like I don't. What do you guys do? Like, do you want them to try to like do like try to find a way to get another fourth or maybe even four fourth liners into this game? No, no, not at
2: all. No, like it's just it was so good how it was. I mean, it's like it's like the movie Forrest Gump. You just you don't remake it because it was so good. You just you leave it. Do you think though?
1: Maybe not the league, but do you think there's another fan movement like we did it with John Scott? Let's pick out some other
2: asshole and put him in. I mean, maybe it, it I, won't that, be
1: the same. No I don't think, I don't
2: think that the NHL. Are, I don't think the NHL is going to do another fan vote. I think they're going to go ahead and can that. I still yeah. think people will can that. And,
0: and even know. if they do, like the fan votes, like the fans trying to vote in, like the friendliest nobody they can think of. Even then, it feels because the way this this story went out, it was. I don't want to give the fans too much credit. Well, for voting John Scott in, because yeah, because it started out a little bit mean spirited,
2: right? And it, that's it, what yeah,
0: that's what makes it that much more satisfying. It was a little mean spirited by the fans, a little subversive, sure, a little um, stop feeding us bullshit in NHL, or we're going to feed you bull- some bullshit yeah. back. And that's that's what the
3: voting.
2: For, what voting I thought was, was real. What I thought was really cool about the entire thing is that, um, and maybe I'm wrong in in thinking this, but John Scott, I think, kind of went out there with he looked like you wouldn't you i honestly think that you couldn't tell if you were the first man that he was an all-star or not i think he kind of held that up like you know he 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 didn't look like the normal john scott you'd see i mean he went out in a slap shot competition and he didn't really do that bad i mean he did pretty good um and then he went to on to the all-star game itself and you know he scored two goals and um had that really awesome moment in his first goal, where he did that really funny celebration, and all the you know hockey fans laughed. But in actuality, um, I thought it was just, it was a really cool moment and seemed <laughs> uh, genuine. And- it, yeah, it did, it seemed real, like it wasn't fabricated or made up, it was all real. That's the thing, is that the fans try
0: to do it again, it's going to get a, now there is a script on exactly how to do this. This was totally unscripted, we had no idea how John Scott was going to come through all of this, and he's the one who brought the magic of this entire story out to life. It wasn't like, because the fans voted him in mean-spirited, and he took it like a champ, and he smiled his way through it, and then it was like, a, oh, oh, Siri, okay, oh, well, this should actually happen, and throughout the entire thing, it was John Scott's attitude in how he treated the entire thing that made it good, and if we try to do it again, where the fans are like, oh, we're, gonna, we're gonna vote Rafi Torres in, and he's gonna show what a, a nice, likable guy is, even then, it's gonna feel saccharine to me, it's, it's gonna feel like bullshit to me, so... I just – I don't think that they should try to redo I, – I guess Whoa. I wouldn't mind if they try to put four fourth liners in the, the All-Star game next year just to see, but I think I would just be okay with kill the fan vote, just name All-Stars, Whoa. go to the three-on-three format, and, like, really try to do a much better job of showcasing the the personalities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Here's
1: what's going to happen, though. There's still going to be a fan vote, but they're not going to have every player eligible. Like for the Red Wings, you'll see like Detsu, Tatar, Nyquist, Setterberg, Larkin, like those five guys. And if like someone comes out of nowhere, like an applicator, and has X amount of crazy goals by the time the voting starts, they will might add him in. But they're not going to put everybody on there, I bet. So you can still get the fan aspect, but you're only going to have the top guys in
0: the league in there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's what they'll do. But yeah, don't I want to be able to remember this all-star game as magic in a bottle as this subversive thing where everybody could have turned out to be a bad guy and really only the right people turned out to be bad guys in this whole situation and then after that, it just kind of went back to normal all-star games like if you try to do this shit every year it's I think it's gonna ruin the memory of this one
1: anyway.
2: right, yeah, I mean that would kind of just yeah. I'll say
1: my favorite moment though from the whole thing and there's a, a gif of it where uh, Patrick Kane gets booed and you just see John Scott yeah. losing his shit
2: and laughing. That was cool. That was probably the like one of the highlights of the entire like weekend is, was that. That was amazing.
0: <laughs> that was great. Uh, when he owned Jeremy Roenick was great. Um, when he a Kane on his ass during that first game yes. and then almost yep. scored in the breakaway.
2: Mm-hmm. God, that would have been so good. Yeah, great. Memorable... Best All Star Game ever. Yeah, and it will never be matched. At least for what it was, it won't be matched.
1: <laughs> I don't have a segue here. That's I fine. Was, I was trying, but I'm. I'm just. We're gonna jump into some Wings news out of the break. Sure. Uh, Cronwall placed on IR, long term IR. Uh-huh. Uh, Riley Sheehan probably partied a little too much during the break. No, just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to say that. He uh he is ill, a little sick right now. Didn't practice or skated on his own uh the lines though the lines from practice because riley Sheehan not being there are absolutely terrifying uh correct me if i'm wrong here but you have applicators Zetterberg, larkin on the top line you have helm datsuk and richards on the second line mm-hmm. nyquist glendening and tatar on the third line yurko anderson <laughs> and polkanen on the fourth line uh <laughs> What
2: the fuck? Well, here's what I'm going to say about it, is that the lineup is literally no, really no different than what I would expect in terms of top six. I'm not really that surprised there. Um, I think it's just like the same of what we've been getting. Um, The third line, I don't really give a shit about the fourth line. Like, just kind of, like, I don't care about the fourth line nearly as much just because Blashell's kind of adjusted his way of using the fourth line, so whatever. But, you know, you have Polkinen and who is the other guy, Yurko, so that's a little concerning because you got two guys who shouldn't be seeing fourth line usage. Uh, Polkanen possibly not even seeing power play time because he was an extra uh, during practice, which is kind of infuriating. But um, uh, the, uh, the top six is whatever. But the third line, I'm going to go ahead and say that, fuck it, let's do it. Let's, let's see what happens. I mean, you got two scoring wingers and you've got a gritty sandpaper center who's fast uh, let's see what happens. I, I mean, I, I, I know that uh, uh, Glenn Denning can win faceoffs, So, I mean, he's... But why not? Give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Let's get weird. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the downside is, is that if they lose the next two games, then, well, fire everything into the sun because that's terrible. But if it works, then the the concern is that well shit now they're just gonna think that that's good and they're just gonna roll with that going forward but um i'm very much of the with the way the red wings are right now it's very um uh i don't know fake it till you make it in in a way i guess i don't know that might be a bad way of saying things but i I, that's just the way i think of the red wings right now honestly you
0: put lipstick on the pig so well kermit <laughs> that kermit wants to fuck it good job Kyle.
2: rated r not safe for work <laughs>
0: I, I agree cuz they i mean it's since there's nothing you can do about it right now but in the top 6 has six guys who are capable of playing center throw out applicator because he hasn't played center in forever who cares whatever right. so you've got five centers uh sure throw out larkin because he hasn't been playing center all season long okay so you've got four you've got three centers on the second damn line and instead of trying to bump that out you're gonna bump Glendenning up to the third line which is above his play grade um glendening has done decently on the fourth line in really easy minutes glendening should do well enough um sheltered between nyquist and tatar but it is not the way that i think the red wings should be splitting their lines out i think glendening should be down on the fourth line with anderson and whichever of pulkanen or yurko you feel like i think i might go with pulkanen down there for right now although i don't know I think Yurko is more defensively sound, so I may put him there. It kind of depends on where Polkinen is health-wise. Right. Um, literally, Helm or Richards make them the third center, and move Polkinen up to play with Datsuk and whichever one of those guys uh, you don't move down, and that way you keep Glendening playing well on the fourth line. And I'm I'm wondering if Blashill just isn't in love with the concept of Glendening shutting down the Lightning, like there's some kind of a magic thing that he's got um, I just, I don't like it I, I know that they that they are going to be decent, you know, nobody works harder than Glendening, it, it's not the end of the world, it's just not ideal, I mean they're still sticking with the same defensive bearings too that I don't like either, so, I mean it is what it is I'm, I'm going to root for him. I think that they've got a good shot of winning, I just think that they could be slightly better with slightly better line usage
1: JJ, you mentioned the defense. Let's go there real quick. Um, With Cronwall, if he's out longer than expected, is there any real concern there? Or is it just still, they're going to be fine, they just need to switch up some pairings?
0: Um, I think, honestly, with how Cronwall has been playing before he had the surgery, uh, he was in a place where the Red Wings could afford to not miss him, uh, for better or for worse, whatever that means. I think if he gets better and comes back and plays well then he's obviously going to improve the defense i think the defense is capable of playing just fine i just think that the whole green and smith pairing is is a little bit wasteful considering everything that's that's going on i think erickson is still getting uh two heavy minutes for for what he should be doing um i don't get necessarily why they put him on long-term injury reserve since it's just a cap benefit but Mm -hmm. um I mean it gives them a little bit more flexibility in terms of if there is going to be a move which
1: they're going to claim trust.
0: Yeah, they're going to claim Frostus. <laughs> right. Why that, not? And that'll be yeah, that'll be my fault too. It will be. Um I think it may actually be that they put him on long-term injury reserve to just let everybody on the defense know, listen, you're not you don't have to worry about your spot until the 14th of February. Cronwell's definitely not coming back. Uh he literally cannot come back before then, so uh, it's your spot to take it and run with it and whichever one of you is the least good when Cornwall is ready to come back is it's your ass on the line
2: other than Erickson yeah other than Erickson uh i don't know i i think that it's just it just gives them flexibility in court in case they want to bring somebody up uh <sighs> i per- personally before today i already thought he was on <laughs> LTIR um but i you know that's just me being you know Ever, yeah, I'm a bad fan. You can all go ahead and just call me a bad fan. That's fine. Um, but I, I think that it is what it is. They're probably just using it for the uh, the cap the, the cap relief, and um, as they should. I mean, if if he's not going to be back anytime soon, then yeah, why not? I mean, you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do to make your to make to make ends meet. Uh, nowadays in the nhl so you know now they can call someone else up if they want to bench erickson because he's god-awful and bring up Olette because he deserves it or jensen not that he deserves it but he deserves a look because of how long he's been playing in the ahl i mean yeah sure whatever but um I, I, now this kind of and this is going against what we were what we have in the lineup uh the uh the outline tonight, but do you guys think that this might be an injury for Cronwall that might, you know, end it all for him? I mean, the guy isn't good anymore. Like, You he, mean like he never plays again or it's just no, this is the, like he
1: this might, is the he, beginning of the end?
2: It, it could, Well, it could be the beginning of the end or he just, go, he just goes Calvin Johnson is like, you know what? Fuck it. I got my money. I'm going to get some more money. I'm just going to call it quits. No, I don't no. think that happens. I had that thought today, and I was like, "Man, that would be kind of a blessing in disguise." I think, but yeah, yeah I don't would know. Maybe
0: recapture on him though. Well,
2: yeah, yeah, he would, would cap front in it, but it's just like you know, you you think you, yeah. That was just me thinking earlier today. It's like, man, I don't know if he can ret- like return. Like he was already pretty bad to begin with. Like this year, you know, given the usage was unfair, his partners were like, "Eh," but. At the same time, I was just like, man, I don't know how I feel about Cronwell before he was injured. Now, after he's injured, it could be worse.
1: Well, so. he's just, he's kind of the great unknown right now. Like we don't know if the knee is one of the reasons. You know, you mentioned usage and his partner, but maybe the knee had a bigger impact on how poorly he was playing. And right, the knee's healthy. He's you know we're not expecting two thousand nine Cronwell back, but he will be better than what we saw the first half of the year, or he's just going to continue to go on that downward slope towards just being a third pair defenseman eventually or second pair defenseman you know, it, it, you just don't know, but we do know he'll be our trade deadline acquisition.
0: Yeah, He would be walking away from $10.75 million in salary for the next three years if he uh, retired I don't think to say heads up
2: Alright, well you and your stupid numbers game, so whatever I'm to recapture right now. <laughs> well, okay, so like the beginning of the end then. Like if we're thinking, I mean, this could potentially, I mean, what was it? It was a knee problem, right? So, yeah. I mean, what is one of the main things a good skating defense needs is good legs. And, I mean.
1: <sighs> well, I just think maybe the beginning um, of the end, meaning once this contract's up, then he's done.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And I mean, you can't really expect Nick Cronwall to be the Nick Cronwell of old anymore. You know, he's not even going to be that fake number one defenseman. I'm using air quotes right now. Uh, he's he's just legitimately not a guy that you needed a number one. Now you need a number two as well.
2: Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And I, I, well, I honestly think the Red Wings are in that, like, they need a number one because I think they have a guy, I mean, the Kaiser, who could be a number two. But sure. yeah. it's just, ugh, I don't know, man. I, I, I have a really, really shitty feeling about this entire situation. And... You know, thankfully, Cronwall isn't, like, in terms of, like, the capper, like, where we're at right now. He doesn't get paid a lot of money. He really doesn't. It's like the Cronwell it's, uh, it's like the Franzen thing. Franzen doesn't get paid that much money for what he is. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I feel like... Yeah, that's of- the thing. 4.75 is not top-pairing money. No, not even close. So, I think the Red Wings have a really good situation there, but Cronwall isn't a top-pairing guy anymore, <laughs> so...
0: Yeah, the recapture pool for Cronwall, if he retires this summer, uh, would be one point one six million uh, for three seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he would go next summer, it would be two point one two five million for the two seasons. And if he retires in the summer of twenty eighteen, uh, that would be a three million dollar cap penalty. Right. So, and like I said, you know he's probably long term injured reserve retire rather than uh than full out walk away from the game but yeah there is still a little concern because he had his knee scoped and it's essentially what happened with brian rafalski is
3: exactly his knee
0: started going he had it scoped and then he's like you know what i don't want to do this anymore and he walked away from he still had six million dollars after that contract yeah one right?
1: year six mil
0: yeah so i don't know if if cronwall does that um I think I would rather that uh, that Erickson walk away from his contract, but...
2: <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> right.
0: Although, he does have that, that hip issue. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's just going to be a case where we have to come to the realization that the Cronwell playing as a number one defenseman out of necessity because we didn't have another one, um, he was always in Airsat's option on that anyway. He was never a true number one. He... He could hack it at times. Uh, that's completely over with, and there is zero point in pretending that he's going to be able to do it otherwise. Um, if he can go back to being a real solid, kind of soft use number four guy, then I think he's, he'll still be able to hack that. If he has to go down to third pairing, that's four point seven five is maybe a little steep for a third pairing guy, but uh, it kind of depends on how many points he can put up. Um, it's good he's got like yeah, he's got to get back to. To performing on the power play, and that's that's not something that you that you ordinarily shelter a guy in the third pairing for. But I don't know, brave new world. You get young kids like the Kaiser eating up big minutes, and hell, let Marchenko eat up big minutes, and then get your specialists time elsewhere.
1: You know, and the big thing you keep mentioning is we need to realize. Well, I think it's we we already realize it. It's just we gotta hope the team realizes it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we are um, in the Red Wings. Sorry
1: for that. We kind of went off the rails there. No, off the rails is good. Speaking of rail, I got nothing here. Fuck it. The standings <laughs> are really fucking tight. Uh, right now, the Wings, as the t- as of recording this, are still in third since the Bruins lost in overtime to Mike Babcock and his Maple Leafs. Uh, they have a game at hand in the Bruins, tied in points, tied in points with the, the Lightning, who are currently in the second spot, and florida who beat the capitals are still in first i don't know good amount of points ahead not too far that the wings can catch them in theory but uh just what do we think of the standings how tight it is it's gonna be like this all year long i mean it's make or break i mean kind of just looking ahead you know we usually look ahead to the week at the end but you got back to back with tampa and florida on the road then you've got the islanders at home they beat them recently but islanders aren't a shitty shitty team and then you got Florida again next Monday I mean you have one bad week and you're out of the playoffs you have one good week you could be first in the division or close to it it's just how crazy is this going to be the whole stretch run here
2: the Red Wings are not going to be in a comfortable position for the rest of the season it's then I mean that's that's that i and that's my opinion there um I, I mean and if you reflect like you look towards like starting tomorrow you not know, recording recording the night before the game against Tampa. Um, The next two games, because what is it? It's Tampa, then Florida, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, if you go out and you lay an egg in two of those games, then, yeah, you're looking kind of bad. Um, So you need to come out hot and, and everything tells me that the red wings coming Thanks. back the red wings coming back from an extended rest is going to be probably kind of a gong show um and i don't know i'm nervous like i really am nervous so i really think that blast would probably just come out and uh, say um uh, mrazik you're gonna get this back to back because uh yeah we're not fucking around anymore
0: Interesting thing is that apparently uh, Blashill told Bill Roos uh, today or yesterday that um, Mrazic is going to start Wednesday, and then after that, he's done telling the Diggers who the starter is beforehand. Like at so it all? It's, yeah, it's going to be I like... I that. Yeah, mystery starter going on. So yeah, we have no idea who is planning on starting on Thursday. Uh, we won't know. We're not sure when we're going to know either, so...
1: Yeah, I wonder reference. I wonder if it'll be one of those things where the he'll tell the players and then the players will spill the beans in the dressing room like after the morning skate or something.
0: Yeah, it could be. I mean, plus, uh, the Diggers are usually pretty good at saying uh, which guy is, is the occupying first off the, the starter's net mm-hmm. and Yeah, the First off the, net. the ice. Now, it'll be a little bit different for Thursday because uh, the morning skate will likely be optional. But
1: Or they just won't have one, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but as far as the, the standings in the race goes, yeah, I think that... We are not going to get comfortable. All of the um, the various sites that track playoff poss- or probabilities have the Red Wings at about mm-hmm. 75-ish percent. Um, so that's... I like our chances. Um, right. Obviously, we can't afford to have a collapse like we did last year, but I think that we are a little bit more insulated from that. I think that the, the horseshit that went on like post-break last year was just a combination of factors that are... Largely gone now. Um, obviously, age and fatigue is is the one factor that remains. But um, I honestly think that by the the time last year was wrapping up, people were uh, the locker room was a little stale, and I don't think it's stale anymore. Um, for a couple of not only at the the head coaching position, but also I think that um, I'm really going to put a lot on Dylan Larkin's shoulders as far as keeping this team energized in the yeah.
2: essentially he- the second half he's got a lot on him and rightfully so um and that's what like going back to what i said is that i like i kind of expect him to come back from this all-star weekend and just I'm be revitalized and just yeah be be a driving force for this team um as a matter of fact i call me crazy but i want to see him as the first center I want to see him centering Henrik Zetterberg and Justin Abikater. Who else? I want to see that. Like, I think that should happen. I think it's time to just start moving this kid into what his position is going to be with his team going forward. And that is a first line center with a patch on his shoulder. And I think that it's. It, I mean, I'm putting a lot on uh, a 19 year old, uh, but you know, he's he's dealt with it, and I think that it's it could be time. But. Um, it goes either way. The Red Wings could really struggle for the rest of it, and you know maybe just slip into the playoffs, or they could go on a hot streak. I mean, you've seen teams like Florida who just blast out and just go and take over the first, you know, in the division. The Red Wings could very well do that with the goaltender that they have. Um, it's just they got to make the adjustments. They really need to make the adjustments, and one of the first adjustments they need to do is. A the defense that needs to be mixed up, and then B they need to fix the power play because that is a huge thing. Because if you look at the Red Wings so far the season, if you think of a Red Wings team who could possibly have like a twenty percent or a little bit less, um, you know, power power play squad efficiency of twenty percent or a little bit less what the, dif- the the differential of the team would be right now, and I think that might make a huge difference.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, essentially they're going to have to just keep relying on what, what got them here in the first place. Essentially, as a team, they've been uh, n- unable to fire on all cylinder- cylinders all at once. They've gotten to where they are now through a bunch of different factors of of like one thing will pick up and another thing will drop, drop off, but the two constants for the Red Wings this year, has been the energy level of Dylan Larkin even though he hasn't um, he's gone through uh, a couple of, of points droughts his energy level has never dropped off and the play of Peter Murassic. Uh if those two yeah. keep up uh, I, I think we'll be fine if we get everything firing on all cylinders then I think we're gonna be amazing um, but if though if any of those things drop off then yeah, I think that uh, that we're going to be in real trouble.
1: You know, if, if they decide to go on a hot streak here, this is the month to do it because, I mean, I mentioned Tampa, Florida, and then Florida again. You also got the Senators, the Bruins coming up, Islanders twice, Penguins, Senators again. I mean, these are teams you're going to be fighting with potentially in both the division and in potential wild card scenarios. So Rangers as well. Uh, so now's the, the right time to go on a run. Uh, speaking of god damn it Jeff (laughs) Uh, son of a bitch Xavier Ouellette had a nice run at the uh, (laughs) AHL all-star game and I think Michelle's going to talk about it in the prospects report
3: The Griffins went 0-3 last week, and with three more losses, that makes it five in a row. They lost 4-0 and 4-2 in a set of games versus the Toronto Marlies, and then 7-3 to the Milwaukee Admirals. They've now been outscored 5-15 in their last three games, and 5-17 in their last four, and they also recorded back-to-back shutout losses for just the fourth time in franchise history. After three frustrating losses, Xavier Willett and Jeff Hogan headed out to Syracuse to represent the Griffins in the Central Division in the AHL All-Star Challenge. Xavier Willett was also named to the All-Star team last year, but he was up playing with Detroit, so he wasn't able to participate. He's only the fourth Griffins player to be named an AHL All-Star in back-to-back years. Nicholas Cronwall in 04-05, Gustav Nyquist in 2012-13, and then Michelle Picard in 97-98 when the Griffins were still with the IHL. Willette was chosen to participate in the Hardest Shot competition, registering 93.8 miles an hour, which was the slowest shot of the eight shooters. The hardest was Ryan Graves of the Hartford Wolfpack, who registered 103.4. The average of the eight shooters was 98.44. I'm not quite sure why Willette was chosen to participate in that event, since it's not something that he's known for. Either way, Willette and Hogan helped the Central Division win the All-Star game. Willette had two goals and two assists, and Jeff Hogan had two goals and an assist on his 38th birthday. The way they did it is the round-robin games were nine minutes long and split into halves of 4-on-4 and 3-on-3. The Central Division defeated the Atlantic Division 4-0 in the championship game, which was a six-minute contest played three-on-three. We're already over halfway through the season with the Griffins, and they sit at 50 points in a record of 24-17, 1-1, and they hold on to the fourth spot in the Central Division and sixth in the Western Conference. After starting the year with a 2-8-0-1 mark, the Griffins have now rattled off franchise record 15 straight wins between November 18th and December 26th, but have now gone 1-5, 1-0 in their last seven games. I've been hammering on the Griffins' special teams all all season long but they continue to be abysmal. The Griffins power play is 26th in the league at 13.7% and special teams have really been either contributing greatly to them losing games or simply being masked by stretches of immense 5-on-5 goal scoring. But both their power play and penalty kill have not been good, and it's cost them games. If you look at just the last few games that they've played, they, for the most part, didn't lose by a ton. It's, we're talking 1-2 and two goal games, where if your power play can get a goal, maybe 2, that can be the difference between winning and losing. The Griffins' penalty kill was perfect in those three losses. They were 8 times shorthand and killed them all off. However, their power play continued to lay a goose egg, going 0-9. Just to give some- context on how key the special teams are to the Griffins winning and losing. They have 24 wins on the season. In those wins, their power play has been 18.56%. In the 19 losses they have this season, their power play is an abysmal 8.14%. In their 24 wins, their penalty kill is 91.3%. And in their 19 losses, it drops to 76.81%. That's a very large discrepancy. When their special teams are working, they're winning. When they're not, they're losing. Coach Nelson did an interview with the Edmonton Journal where he talked about Anthony Mantha and while it's nothing new, he summed up very nicely what I've been saying about Mantha throughout this season. He said the biggest thing with him is we want his compete level to be consistent every night where he's tough to play against, down low, where he protects the puck well, doing the right things defensively, being on the right side of the puck, and also stripping guys of the puck with the long reach. He's been getting better and better at it, and I think everybody in the organization is happy with his progress, but they want to see more. And that's kind of exactly where I'm at with Mantha. He's been getting better and better. He's still playing well, but there's still more. The Griffins have a pair of upcoming games this week, Friday and Saturday night against the Rockford Icehawks. Saturday night is team of Pokemon bobblehead night, and that bobblehead is absolutely amazing. It's the pose where he's on his knees on the ice after he scored his hat trick. If you have the opportunity to go, go get one. Down in Toledo, the walleye did the opposite of what the Griffins did and picked up three wins. A 4-0 win over the Brampton Beast, a 2-1 win over the Fort Wayne Comets, and a 3-2 win over the Quad City Mallards. Two of those three wins, including the shutout, belonged to Jake Patterson, who was named the ECHL's goaltender of the week. He got his first pro shutout with 28 saves Friday night against the Beast in the 4-0 win, then stopped 29 of 31 shots against Quad City on Sunday, and the walleye won 3-2 in overtime. He went 2-0-0 in the week, had a .99 goals against average, and a 966 save percentage. Coach Lalonde said, Jake was outstanding this past week, and he was sharp and in control in both his starts. He was our best player in the difference in our win versus Quad City. For most of the season, Patterson has been splitting starts with Jeff Lurg, and that's continued after Patty got sent back down from Grand Rapids. He's made three starts and picked up the two wins, including a shutout. Picking up those six points helped the Toledo Walleye remain atop the Northern Division, with 58 points and a record of 27-11, 1-3. They also hold the third spot in the Eastern Conference. In other prospects news, defenseman Vili Sarajarvi rattled off three goals and an assist in two games last week for the Flint Firebirds, and he now has a three-game point streak going and six points in his last five. He's 16th among OHL defensemen in points with 27, despite missing eight games while he was away winning gold at the World Juniors. He's also now third on the Flint Firebirds in points, but the team continues their slide. They're the third worst team in the league, and they've lost their last 15 games. You have to go all the way back to December 18th for their last win, and 13 of those 15 losses came in regulation, so they're even having trouble picking up a single point. The entire situation in Flint, both with management and coaching and their losing, makes me really bummed out that Billy's stuck there. I hate seeing him play on a team that's struggling and so bad, even though it's for selfish reasons. If the team isn't able to turn itself around next season and get rid of some of this drama and overhang issues, I would like to see Billy go and play somewhere else, just because I don't think that that's a good environment for him to be learning and developing in, and I don't think it's very much fun either. It's gotta be miserable. Over in the QMJHL, Adam Marsh suffered a concussion on January 10th, and he's now missed seven games and counting. In three games last week, Evgeny Svechnikov had a goal and three assists, and he now has 22 goals and 54 points in 35 games. In the Western Hockey League, Joe Hicketts notched two more assists in two wins for the Victoria Royals and was named second star in one of the games. The Royals continue to win since the return of their stud defenseman. Dom Turgeon had a slower week, notching just one goal in two games and coming out a minus one in two losses. In the BCHL, Chase Perry picked up two wins in two games that he played last week, a 4-3 win and a 5-2 win, allowing five goals in two games and making a total of 40 saves. college hockey, James DeHaas had a two-point game for the Clarkson Golden Knights in a 2-1 overtime win, and in two games also picked up six shots, was an even ranking, and had four penalty minutes. Mike McKee didn't play in either of the two games for Western last week, and for a guy that's coming up on his signing deadline this summer, it's not looking good. David Pope was also sidelined with a concussion back on January 22nd, and hasn't played since. He's missed four games so far. Over in Europe, After seeing increased responsibility and greater ice time for a stretch of games, Christopher N looks like he's been bumped back down to the fourth line, including a couple games where he didn't see the ice at all. He's a 19-year-old playing in the Swedish Hockey League, so he has more of a challenge than many players. But on the season, in 39 games, he has two goals and five assists. Axel Holmstrom picked up another goal in three games last week. He now has six goals and 21 points on the season in 36 games, and he's tied for first among junior players in the SHL in both points at 20 and goals with six. In the KHL, Alexander Kadikin had greatly increased ice time, responsibilities, and production as he centered the top line with Ilya Kovalchuk for a spell. In the last few weeks, his ice time has dropped back down, and he's going back down to six, eight, 10 minutes a game, and he hasn't registered a point in six. And that's what's going on in the world of Ravens prospects.
1: Thank you, Michelle, for that awesome prospects report. <laughs> Let's do some reader questions. JJ, it's your turn.
0: Alright, well, who's ready to talk about some uh, some trade speculation? Can't wait. Everybody, I hope. Bring it on. We're going to start right off the bat with Kicker Death wants to know uh, is Riley Shahan trade bait? I would trade him, yes. A- well, and Larkin both have a center
2: experience. Well, here's what I would say to that. How much trade value does he actually have? Well, he's part I'm, of something. Right, I get it. He's part of something. And, you know, the kid has size. Um, he's not he's a bad player.
0: Canadian kid,
2: yeah. Yes, he's not bad by any means at all. Um, I just kind of have like that. He might be a part of a trade that I don't want to make. But if he is like a centerpiece in a trade that brings Dustin Bufflin to town, sure. Like if he it, is the highest, if he is the highest tier. Um, okay, let's just. Say if he is the highest tier asset in a trade that brings Dustin Bufflin here, do we make that trade? Well, I I'm say not.
1: Yes. Well, I'm not saying it's for Dustin Bufflin, but if it's something like Shea and Mantha and a first.
2: Okay. Yeah. No. But I'm speaking in terms of just if we're t- if he is the highest tier of asset that brings Dustin Bufflin here. Do you say yes?
1: Now, are you? What do you? What is your definition of tier? Though, like he's he's technically higher than Mantha because he's in the NHL and Mantha's not. But I look at Mantha's ceiling is higher than Sheehan's.
2: Okay. Well, yeah, Mantha has a higher ceiling, so I'm am speaking in terms of ceiling. Then I guess you should say. Okay. So if you're talking about a guy like Shan. Um, a second round pick and then a guy like Athanasiu or whoever, like that would be comparable for Dustin Buckland and a third round pick. Do you make that trade? Because I do. Sure.
1: Uh, you, you,
2: I don't know why Winnipeg would, but I would. Well, Winnipeg is a really bad organization. Yeah. I mean, and Dayoff is not good. I
1: mean, and plus, we have his replacement at Luke Lindenning,
2: third line center. So Exactly. that, because you would then trade away Athanasiu, who is shan's replacement but
0: yeah i think the bottom line is that shan is a combination of decently valuable enough and also decently replaceable enough that uh yeah you look at at trading him if the price is right but you don't necessarily consider it a we have to get rid of him uh nor is it a we have to be wowed it's just it business as it is uh fun
1: fact riley and is roommates with luke lindenning and dylan Larkin. So he is
2: like his trade value is well, Uber and
0: he is he works hard, hard and he's skilled if he takes both their trades. Yeah. Um can follows it up immediately with the outside the box thinking what if instead of looking to move Howard we look to move Mrazik?
2: No. <laughs> There's
0: no. no more discussion here. No, no, you don't
2: you don't move him.
0: Well the the argument here is that like maybe you go for a like a Corpasalo or one of the other goalie prospects. And that Mrazic should return significantly higher value to make the team in front of what is probably, uh, I'm assuming it's going to be Jimmy Howard and a backup that's going to be better than Jimmy
2: Howard. So, um, I mean, okay, you trade for a guy like Corpusala who is on the Blue Jackets. Who's a good a good prospect, but like, who else comes in that, that package that really makes it worthwhile? I mean, good goalie... I, that's not going to happen. But I mean, good goalie. Right. I, I don't know. Good goalie. So like I'm having good a lot goalies, of trouble saying yes to that. With the numbers that Morazic has, like so far in his career, yes, it's a small sample size. But I mean, y- y- that is at such a premium that I would not trade Morazic unless you are turning a bona fide all star, team changing player like that. Is that like unless you are trading for a guy who is like. I don't know. And this is just me, like an Aaron Eckblad. Not Aaron Ekblad only, but like a guy who is at that tier. Like, that's just me. And I wouldn't even trade Mirazik to get like a top five prospect in the draft because I don't know. You like even like a, a Jacob, uh, I think it's Chitrin or whatever, but I just don't do it just because I think that um, we are looking at Mirazik who could possibly be a guy that you build your organization around that is your guy so i don't know maybe uh i'm being silly with this because you know um no you look you're not. Mont- You look at the montreal canadians who lean on Kerry price and they are just falling apart at the seams but i just i don't do it not a chance no thanks bye well i
1: guess the thought of a trade is so you're not like montreal canadians where you're depending so much on the goaltender
2: no you, you want to yeah you want to build around him you want you want to build a good team not just a bunch of you know, but no it,
1: it it needs to be Larkin and Murazik for the next yeah. fifteen years. Those are the those are the two on ten years.
0: Yeah. I'd have to be absolutely ethered by a trade offer to, to dump Morazic. Right. You've got uh, an elite goaltender who is still cross controlled. He is not going to get starter money on his next contract even though he's a starter. Um so it's gonna be a, a real decent deal, in my opinion. Right. Um and that's just something that basically every team should want and every team should pay out their freaking nose for
2: right so Um, if you were like that and just branching off of that the only trade that i would like think like to my mind that i would make is with st louis so if you take morazic and maybe just like a spare part and you trade for like a jake allen or whatever and then you get like a robbie fabry and then a colton perico like i might entertain that option i might do that that might be something i look into but that's it. That is literally. It would have to be Merazic plus a spare part for um, two really good players who can play at the NHL in at a a a very good level, and and that's it. Like and then like another spare part. There's no way I trade Mrazek unless it's something that knocks my compl- my socks off and rubs my back before bed.
0: All right. Connor19, given a little bit of line shuffling with the all-star game format, who would you most like to see in a wing sweater next to Larkin, regardless of likely training scenarios or whatnot? John Scott. Just total dream team.
2: Uh, Evgeny Svechnikov, and I would say, uh, okay, so Datsuka center, Larkin as whatever wing, and Svechnikov as whatever other wing.
0: I was reading that like literally anybody in the league.
2: yeah, you oh. can pick. That's oh, what I thought. oh, uh, okay. Then uh, Larkin, uh, Gaudreau, and Vladimir Tarasenko.
1: I loved when it was Larkin,
0: Bergeron, and Suban.
2: Oh yeah, that was sexy. Uh, that. That was, was, that was beautiful. I yeah, that's no... the
0: thing. It's not so much about who's on a line with him as so much as who's behind him. I would love to have <laughs> Carlson or Subban on the road. That's wings. what said. Giggity said. Giggity, giggity. Okay. <sighs> Uh, Nick Van Buren has a multi-tiered, multi-tiered question. Um, Under utilization and misusage of players thoughts on what will be the tipping point for things to change? Is it going to take a whole new season? Essentially the things we've been complaining about. Uh, Helm and Applicator playing in the top six. Yurko and in playing in the fourth line. The weird D pairings. Like what's it going to take for, for for Blaschel to actually change the, that usage?
1: It's going to take
2: Richards and Helm not being here. I think it takes... In, like, next year? I think it takes missing the playoffs. (laughs) I think if you miss the playoffs this year, then, yeah, I think maybe things start changing because when you think about the organization, they're so hung up on that playoff streak. If they miss the playoffs, then things are going to change. Not so much with coaching, but with player personnel and the way that things are used. Until then, you're stuck. Somebody's got to block shots. Somebody's got to kill penalties. It's not fantasy hockey, folks.
0: So. (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's see. Holmes from 96 wants us to take a minute to, to uh, appreciate John Scott. We did, but here's another seconds of silence for how amazing that story was.
2: Johnny Hockey.
0: So, all right. Okay, 96. Uh, do you guys believe the NHL is going the right way by suspending guys for one game for missing the All-Star Game? Uh, should it be a multi-game suspension? No suspension? Or is there another consequence you'd prefer to dole out for guys skipping out on the All-Star Game?
2: I think that if it, it is... is... Uh, and
0: Ovechkin are
2: both sitting. Yeah, I think
0: they got, that. It, oh, so they got suspended
2: or whatever. One game, yeah. Oh. I think that it if it is if it is a um, if it's a situation where you had the flu, then yeah, you should probably sit for a game. Like, or I don't know. That even seems a little weird, but I don't know because no, no, just give them like fine them for some money or something. That's it. I mean, they suspended Lidstrom,
1: so then they should suspend everybody else, too. Yeah. And Dotsuke.
0: Yeah. Uh, Multi-game suspensions for skipping the All-Star game is horse shit. And if the league does that, then it's it's just going to be stupid. Because there's a lot of dumbass headshots out there that still only get one-game suspensions. And if you're going to say Jonathan Taves has to sit out more than one game uh, because he doesn't feel well and had to miss the All-Star game, then... I mean, kiss my ass, honestly. Yeah. But, I don't know, because uh, Bettman reiterated that, essentially, because Lutstrom and got suspended that that year, and Sidney Crosby didn't, because Sidney Crosby got a personal call by Bettman that says, hey, I know you're not playing, but can you still show up in Gladhand with everybody? And he did, and he didn't get suspended, and Bettman had to his infernal credit has stayed consistent with that. Had Taves and Ovechkin decided to go to Nashville, say I can't play, but I'll gladly shake hands with all the sponsors and sign autographs and, and do whatever, um, Bedman said they would not have been suspended. So, players understand what they're losing out on with skipping the All-Star game. I don't think anything needs to be changed. Just keep it with a one game suspension if you want to skip out, then yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Not yeah. even necessarily a one-game suspension, but they definitely you have to sit out of the next game. I don't care if they, they lose their money for not playing the next game.
2: Yeah, that's fine.
0: So, uh, let's see. That's not a serious question, but I do count on like, like A lot of people have been uh, talking lately about, about trading Cleary for John Scott. It gets <laughs> Cleary closer to his home, and it gets John Scott closer to his wife's family's home. Um, in Grand Rapids, obviously, not to call him up to Detroit. Uh, is that a yes or a super Yes.
2: Super yes. Super yes. Yeah. Anything that gets right. Glenn, Dan Cleary out of the organization. Yeah. Anybody that is gets something Dan out Cleary there. as far away from Detroit is totally cool with me. Yep.
0: O c h s k ox eleven. <laughs> uh, how the hell did Mrazek not become one of the best one of the players
2: of the month? Uh, well, it's John Scott. Yeah. You, you just yeah. I don't know. They threw him a bone. I'm Chary sorry. I like I, and I would say like I'm sorry that you're mad over that, but. You know, and
1: look or, at the bright side. It's one less thing his agent can say, hey, he was the top star of the month or whatever. Yeah, it's it's true. A Jeff with the hammer yeah.
2: right there.
0: Yeah, there you go. Uh, Master Moj, AA Helmer Larkin, who wins? Obviously, oh, we, he didn't say cool. what kind of contest, it, so it, just it. wins.
2: This is something that I've been wanting to talk about like openly here for a second. But it's like, if I think that it's like end-to-end, I think Helm wins. But the way that Larkin skates... On edge, and the way that he moves laterally, I think that Larkin can't be beat. Um, I mean, the way that he turns corners, the way that he, his stride hits—I don't know if there's any other player that can really match up to that. Um, Helm is really good. He's like a uh, like a like a NASCAR. You know, he just goes really fast. You know, end to end. But you know, when you go around the corners, um, you know, Larkin kind of showed that even when he tripped up in the All Star game. Um, he just has a really efficient stride in the way that his crossovers are. like, I just think that um, that's what makes him so goddamn fast is that he will turn the corner and he will jump up on his turbo pony, as I like to say, and he will just go. So I think that's 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 uh, what Larkin kind of does. He just moves a ladder. Helm is
0: eight,
2: a, but... <clears throat> a primer-colored NASCAR car because he's got no finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah, he's like a... I don't know, like... Let's say that if, if, if uh, Larkin was a NASCAR car, he would be an Oreo, and then uh, if Helm was what was the, what's the off brand that we talked about last last week? Hi- Hydrox, yeah. yeah. Yep. There you go.
1: I'm I'm taking Larkin. I'm a man of the people, and I put that poll in Quick <laughs> Hits, and the people voted forty three percent for Dylan Larkin. Yep. Helm was second. ICU was third, so they would finish in that order.
2: This is a democracy,
0: folks. All right. So a whimocracy.
2: Yeah, Fox, yeah. that's fine, too. Uh,
0: let's see. Is there a compelling reason that Helm should not or cannot be re-signed,
2: according to Nealock187?
1: Yes, we can spend the money elsewhere.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's... I, I, and here's the thing is that Helm is the kind of guy that the Red Wings would give a contract to that everybody wouldn't like. Like, I honestly think that they would give him a raise and then give him term. So, um, if he wanted to come back for, like, one year... <laughs> at like maybe 250k more, maybe, but nah. As, as yeah. in his role that he's at right now, absolutely not. Like he's that, that money. Mean,
0: we, we talked about it last week too. Is essentially Darren Helm's fair market value is gonna be three to three and a half million but that's not the value to the wings uh for the position he plays right the wings need to save that money elsewhere nothing Mm. against helm love the guy sorry but goodbye unless you're willing to spend unless you're willing to sign for two and
2: a half the wings are very much um uh transitioning into where they need to get value out of the their entry-level contracts i think um you know they need to get value out of the guys like Mantha or maybe a Svechnikov even though he's not. It's very unlikely that he'll start with the wings. Um, they really need to get value out of those guys to free up cap space and other parts because you know they've got yep. some ugly, ugly contracts coming up. All right, quite a few questions about
0: Bufflin being a, a wing and what we think about that. We've got a whole article and a whole lot of discussion on the site about it. So go read it. Uh, yeah, go read it. Um, I personally don't like his attitude. He's 30 years old and like he bullied a kid seven years his junior like a really stupid way. And I know he's really good at hockey, and it's possible that they can get away with that. But I
2: don't know. Well, I Big mean, the way I, yeah, the way I look at Bufflin is that if you bring him onto the team right now, he is one of the top goal scorers, and that could potentially say there's an issue with this team. Or, uh, you know, that could just, you could either look at it as a way as that, you know, he, it would be a great acquisition. The only way I bring Bufflin into Detroit is if it is, it, it really has to be, it would have to be a deal like what we made for Eric Cole, honestly. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, just. Yeah, and they're not going to take that. No. So. No, because they they will, get, they, will get more, be good or bad. they will get more from other teams. They will get a first round pick from a team like Washington or. I don't know. I don't know if they have a first round pick. Whatever, shut up.
0: That's our uh, half calf hot take. Yep, there you go. Read Either the article, folks. Uh swapping positions. Do you expect Dylan Larkin to move back to center anytime
2: soon by Lou Willie? Like I said before, I would love to see Dylan Larkin center Zetterberg and whoever else. And I'm under- so I think, I think that's, that's gonna how- happen next year. I don't expect it to happen this season. I don't think it'll happen this year, but I would I if it ha, like if we woke up one morning and saw the line rushes and saw that Larkin was centering the top line with Advocator, Zetterberg, or um, Zetterberg and Nyquist, I would probably leap out of my seat and do a handstand and maybe take my shirt off. I don't know. Well, but
1: next year you, you can put Datsuk and Zetterberg back together with the Advocator and then Larkin, Tatar and Mantha. Or something there we like go. that. You heard it here, folks?
0: Remember that. The Birdman. Wants to know, by this time next year, which whim blogger is most likely to be known as the Betrayer and why?
2: Oh, God, I don't like
1: this. Wait, what? I, I don't know. Aren't I already the Betrayer because I'm a Bruins fan? Well,
2: yeah, but we're talking about next year. Yeah, by next year. Um,
1: Probably Graham. He flip-flops on his teams all the time. He's got like seven NFL teams. I'm
2: going to say
0: Prashant. Yeah. I said Prashanth too.
2: You guys can all huh. expect Prashanth to be onto something bigger in the next 365 days. That is for sure.
0: That's exactly why I think he's got a good, a decent chance of actually getting offered a job by a team. Yeah. And like, Hopefully betrayer is v- a really strong word for that because I wish, I would wish him well. But you should <laughs> yeah. lock him up to a long-term deal.
2: I'm hoping yeah, that it's him. the Red Wings. That would be, or somewhere west. It's not going to he- be me because I'm stupid. So. Not stupid, yeah, well, but- that's the
0: thing. I couldn't get hired by another team because I would actively try to sabotage any team. You it, could probably. You should, you should pick up Brandon
2: Prestoff waivers. That's no, a,
1: uh, a team would hire you to run their, their Twitter feed, JJ. Yeah, bet.
0: <laughs> that would go over super well.
2: Yeah, you just JJ, like, randomly fuck off to some fan. <laughs> <laughs> Be like
0: Hurricanes
1: from Kansas. <laughs>
0: that would work, I think. Uh, piggybacking off of this, if you all gave, gave each other nicknames, what would they be? Oh, God. Um,
1: Isn't JJ already a nickname?
0: It is. I got called the Avocado File from Kansas, but uh, T and Kicker Death spelled avocado wrong, so that doesn't count. Nope. Good job on that, dumbass.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say Graham can be Mr. Clean. <laughs> Obviously. We, we could call him Jeff Blashill. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um,. I don't know. I guess it I would, would say be something Anaheim related. Yep. Uh you could call me um
1: You're not supposed to give
2: yourself a nickname. Okay, don't call me anything. Um Jeff, I you know oh, what? Yeah. I would call Jeff Brad Marchand.
1: Why? Um, that's not a nickname. That's just someone else's name.
2: It's still a nickname <laughs> for you, though. It's a nickname for balance. you. It's, I don't like this question. This is bad. You guys go ahead with us.
1: I already did. Mr. Clean for Graham. Okay.
0: I've got Michelle. I would call Apollo. Because uh, in the entire Greek pantheon, Apollo was the one that was on top of the Griffins. Oh, nice. Oh. Well geez. done. Kyle is uh, Kyle's thrift store. What? <laughs> Explain yourself. you're, you're Kyle McElmory.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm done. Goodbye.
0: <laughs> Graham is Saint Winged Wheel. He got given that nickname angrily by a baseball blogger like four years ago, and I've always liked it. Because um, Graham apparently had the temerity to once question Ken Holland. Um, <laughs> Who dares? Jeff, you are Leia's favorite thing in the galaxy. That's your nickname, Leia's favorite, because you're the Hancock.
2: <laughs> All right, we're just going to go with that, because JJ has way better answers than we definitely do.
0: I actually thought about this one. I, I wrote these answers down. Yeah, but you did. <laughs> I should this read really, the questions next time. I was really proud of Hancock there.
2: Read the questions, watch the game.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, we've got our actual questions. Uh, any crazier, bold predictions for the back third of the season?
1: Brendan Smith, top pair defenseman, by the end of the, by the start of the playoffs. I'd be okay with that.
2: <clears throat> Mine is uh, Larkin, uh, first line center.
0: Marasik, Vesna nominee. Uh, McDavid finishes ahead of Eichel for the Calder. Not necessarily wins the Calder, but finishes ahead of him in the standings.
2: Probably because of who votes for it.
0: Yeah. Plus, he had a crazy awesome goal tonight. Yeah, he did. It was Didn't see season. it. Thanks, NHL it
2: was, TV. It was stupid. It was like, it was it was better than what when he scored on the Red Wings on Morazek. It was dumb. Yeah. But he will not save that team. So, whatever. Screw him.
0: Uh, Bill H was looking at January's Octo Plot, which was posted by Mike Morris Santa Rosa. Um, Wants to know, do you think coaching is the problem here considering the team's very poor offensive statistics? Oh, wow, that think is the a good Players are structured on ice and not to succeed in an offensive capacity, or do you think the players still aren't buying into
2: Blashville's system? Um, I didn't read that post yet, unfortunately. I will soon. Um, but I don't know if it's really like you could blame the fact that it is a vastly different system, not even vastly, but. Um, If you think about it, the Red Wings weren't really a super high-scoring team under Babcock last season. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe they need a little bit of a a change there, and maybe coaching needs to make that adjustment. But I'm not a coach, I'm not a hockey supermind, so I can't tell you how they make that change.
0: I think it is a matter of Coach Blashill specifically choosing to play a uh, low event style makes a lot of their fancies a little bit more difficult to uh, to get into, and it makes them look worse by comparison. Yeah. And I think it's really tough to come out of. And I think it is a combination of uh, there's a lot of guys who and Blashill has said this. I mean, we've got you know we've got guys that basically aren't performing where they ought to be. Um, I'm not so sure that it's a lot of like not buying into the system. I think some of it is just pure dumb luck. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think that they're due for kind of a bunch of bounces that's going to make them look amazing. And then we're just not going to question it anymore. That's what I'm, I'm just going to cross my fingers for that. I'd I be think okay with that. They yeah. should just go get McDavid because that goal was nasty. Yeah, you saw me. it. You, you finally saw it. I just looked it up on the Twitter. That's some good shit. And then very last question from Shoeless Joe 91 uh, predict who shows the most improvement from now until season's end: Quincy, Cheyenne, Nyquist, or who cares?
1: Brendan Smith. That wasn't an oh, option. Who
0: cares? Uh, probably Quincy, just
1: because he's going to get better the more he plays. I'm
2: gonna, yeah, I'm gonna go, go ahead and say, degree. yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say Quincy because I want him to be traded. Well, and, and he'll be, yeah, he'll be on another team, so he'll get yeah. better for them. So, yeah. Obviously, yeah, he'll play for another team. He'll score four goals. Everybody, will yell at us! Um, yeah, I can't
0: wait till he scores the game-winning goal in the Stadium Series. Against the Red Wings. Oh.
2: God damn it, JJ. <laughs> Although.
0: Mark it down.
1: Jill's not going to the
0: game, guys. It means they're going to win.
2: I would. I really I, you will. know what, JJ? I'll high five you if that happens.
0: That's okay, good. Because I'm going to get my ass kicked by everybody else. You can protect me. It's because you're a bad fan. Yeah, you
2: are. <laughs> it's true. Everybody is a bad fan besides
0: Jeff. No,
1: I, I just meant, not JJ. I, was, I meant you. You're going to high five him because you're a bad fan. Well, you're
2: a worse. You're. Okay.
0: You're a duck with a machete.
2: No, <laughs> we're not. Can we not?
0: No, we we can't recreate the magic. There's no point no, in trying.
2: No. We could try. We could sit here for another 15 minutes and try, but no. I'm Do out of questions.
0: Any? Yeah, that's. Oh, that's last I didn't question. know
1: that. Why didn't you tell me? I said it was the
2: last I question. Hey, that's the last question.
1: I'm sorry. I was watching the McDavid goal again. <laughs> Damn
2: it! You're a bad fan.
1: Uh, I'm a. I'm the best fan. Uh, speaking of, I got nothing. <laughs> oh, God, you're the worst. Uh, uh, the, the, the week ahead, what do they do? Four games at, at Tampa, at Florida, home versus the Islanders, home versus Florida. Kyle.
0: 3 oh, and one JJ. 2-2. Uh, two
1: yeah, I think 2-2 two is fair. I don't think they win against the Lightning. They'll beat Florida, and then they'll beat the Islanders,
2: and then they'll lose to Florida. <laughs> so I think that they win all aside from the home game at Florida because, of course.
1: Okay. Do you guys have any final hockey-related thoughts? Um, go Red Wings. That's good, right?
0: JJ? I think go Red Wings is a, is a really good thought.
1: Well, I, I was just going to say I hope you feel better, Graham. And go Red Wings. Thanks
2: for making me feel like a shitty friend.
1: Well, you're a bad fan and a bad friend. Oh, my
2: God. Then your You're paying and for the
1: hotel room in Denver. I mean, I already did pay for it. I'm still waiting for your half of it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing will change. I'm just
1: kidding. I'll Goodbye, everybody.
2: Good night. Wait <laughs> <laughs>